0: From the United
1: States of America. Hi, you have reached the Decahedron RPG Cast feedback line. Just start talking at the sound of the tone.
0: Hey Joe, Jason here. Enjoyed listening to Bloodport Isle, and I would like to hear more about your other campaign worlds. Great episode. Keep up the great stuff.
1: That is Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast which is a great podcast. You should give it a listen. Links are in the show notes. Anyway, hi, Jason. Thanks for that nice comment. This question back at you, though. Do you want to know more about Blood Poor Island? I actually had an idea for an episode where I have someone who doesn't know about the setting, which is pretty much everybody, ask me questions about it, like things they want to know. You know, I don't know. And that's that's the whole purpose of the episode, because how do I know what the what a would-be player wants to know, like what do the juniors look like, or who are their gods or well, whatever, you know? Tried to record an episode like this with James, but because I always use him as a sounding board when I'm developing these worlds and everything, he knows too much and he didn't really want to know. I mean, yeah, he didn't really know what to ask. And so uh he suggested I find someone else. So that is what I'm doing. If you are interested, any of you listening, Jason. Anyone, anyone at all, we can set up a time and to record for probably less than an hour. I, I don't spend that long on the mic. Your part is easy. Ask me the questions that you think a new player would want to know about the setting before they started playing, and I'll just answer them. Very conversational. Anyway, thanks for that feedback, Jason.
2: Hey, it's uh, Daniel from Minute's Keep again, calling in, like I said, about the d d movie, which I really, really enjoyed. I just I – just, <laughs> I'm not done listening yet, but it's just funny because your favorite character is the character I disliked the most. I think it's really interesting. So I wanted to call in before I hear the reasons why you like the character so much. But I just felt like I don't love a character who doesn't seem to give a heck. So uh, – and that was that character. Like she doesn't – she's like, whatever, I'm a druid. I don't know. I don't love that attitude. I guess that's a very – common thing now and very common trope but it just it it turns me off to characters so but i will say that's the character i'd want to play if i was playing in the game because that type of druid that literally just can shape change but can do it a lot and doesn't have any other like spells and stuff to me is so much more interesting than the modern druid or even the original druid that's basically a a spellcaster that can sometimes change into monsters i just love the shape changing ability i thought it was done really well so, uh, yeah, I think she's my favorite character I'd want to play, but my least favorite in the movie. I don't know. I think maybe the, the, you haven't got to him yet, but the Paladin might have been my favorite character, even though he was an NPC. I'm sure you're going to say that as well because he was just so perfectly paladin Oh, God, so good. Anyway, this movie was great. I am uh, I just want to call him while I'm in a space that I can call, and I'll uh, continue listening to the rest of the podcast. Thanks for all the great uh, content you guys put out. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Hey, that's Daniel from the Bandit's Keep podcast. Bandit's Keep is a very interesting podcast, and it's kind of like, what if Gygax and Arneson didn't come to the realization that chain mail sucks for D&D and develop a better system? So he tries his hardest to make it not suck. Now, I'm I'm being very tongue-in-cheek there. Um uh, Daniel has a passion for chain mail, and even though it was just thrown into the D&D books as a marketing ploy, and no one ever seriously used it that way, Daniel is bound and determined to make it work. Listening to it has been very educational. I I love his podcast. I love listening to it. And the more I listen to it, the more I come to the realization that, yeah, that's not the way I want to play. But I still enjoy the podcast, so I do recommend it. It is a great podcast. Give it a listen. Anyway, Daniel, you said uh you didn't like the the tiefling druid character. I will agree with you on I mean, the general, yeah, I don't care. I'm only here along for the ride type characters. That that whole teenage disinterest thing is a bit of a turn off for me too. I, I'll I'll give you that. I just think of all the the actors that they had portraying the roles, uh, at least for the four-party members, she is the one with the most natural charisma. Like I said, I don't care much for Chris Pine. He comes off as smarmy and oily and just someone you wouldn't want to be around Um Not necessarily Chris Pine, the actor, Chris Pine in this role, although that's almost my same complaint of him as Kirk. But when you see her and her and her other roles, uh, except maybe on it, she has a natural charisma to her as an actress. And that came through in the character. The other thing you said was the shape changeability and how cool that was. I don't know if you heard it, but in one of my early episodes, I don't know, somewhere in the early teens, I think. James does an interview of me, and I think he asked me who my favorite character was. And my favorite character that I ever played was a first edition Gamma World character who had the ability of shape change. And I just found that to be a very interesting character, not from the tactical point of view, but from the mindset point of view, because that character... In the first edition, Gamma World, shape change was just something you did. And you change your shape, and that was your new shape. And then you change it until you changed it again to something else. In later editions, they made it, you could only be in the shape for one hour or something. I don't know. Which ruined my concept of the character because my concept for the character was she did not know what her native shape was. She didn't know if she was a badger that could turn into a human or if she was a human that could shape change into a Cod she was, and I say she because she could have been a he or a whatever, right, because shape shapeshift shape is like that, it's just her her normal default uh shape in the party was as a a female human, but yeah, it just I found it to be a very interesting mindset for a character to play, uh searching for identity, kind of decades later, almost the same story arc they gave to Odo on Deep Space Nine but he knew who he was. He was just separated from his people. Anyway, thanks for the call, Daniel. And sorry about the little joshing about chain mail over there. I, I always worry that people aren't going to get my sense of humor and think I'm really slamming them. I, you have a great show, and I really do love it. Uh, thanks for the call.
0: Hey, Jason you're just listening to our latest episode. I have not seen the Amazon series on Jack Ryan, so I will check that out. As far as fantasy films, yeah, I think it's fair to separate theatrical releases from direct streaming. So that's a fair point. I definitely will give you that one. I didn't mean to misquote you or, or imply you were saying something about points of light that you weren't. I, I just wanted to point out a cool modern setting or slightly future setting that uses that same idea. As far as Kill Devil Hills goes, according to the internet, there are a couple of different legends about how the town gets its unique name. One is that because North Carolina Outer Banks has this whole pirate thing going on. One is that a pirate ship had wrecked transporting rum, and the local population said that the rum was strong enough to kill the devil. Um, there, There are other notions out there why it got that name. I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever really know why it has that name, but it is a pretty cool name for a town. And it's a little bit cheaper than Nags Head, but it's still a pretty nice beach if you want to do a rental house in the southeast. So I look forward to your show next week or later this week, however that may fall out. And I'll talk to you soon. Take care.
1: Hey, Jason. Thanks for that call. The Amazon Jack Ryan. I really like it. Uh, As with most shows, almost the vast majority of shows, I think uh, season one is great. Season two is good, but not as great. Um, they are getting ready to release season four, I think, which they say is going to be their final season. And I like when they know a show is going to end. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to a strong ending. Do give it a uh, watch and, and let us know uh, if you liked it or not. Like I said, he turned into my, Jack, my favorite Jack Ryan because of that show. And thank you very much for the little history lesson on Kill Devil Hills. I like folklore tales. I guess they are the urban legend of the earlier days. And sometimes they're more interesting than what the actual history might be. In the paradise of Rhode Island, where I grew up, there is a town sort of in the northwest corner. Uh, is it a town? There's a place called Purgatory. So I always thought that would be neat to like live there and say, hey, I live in Purgatory. Instead, when I grew up, my parents were building a house Uh, And this is a little village sort of on the borders of Coventry and Situate. that's called Hope. So had we actually been able to move into that house, I would have been able to say that I live in Hope. But that never happened for various reasons. Oh, over in uh, Block Island, which is one of the islands off the coast of uh, Rhode Island, there is a tale of a haunted beach. Uh, dealing with a old shipwreck and stuff being washed ashore. In fact, this weekend, as I'm recording this, in fact, I talked to uh, some of my relatives back home in Rhode Island, and they're going out to the Gatsby Day celebration, which celebrates the Gatsby affair. And what that was was, you know. The colonial Americans were big fans of smugglers, right? To escape the tariffs. They were also rather fan of pirates, but this one's about smugglers. So the HMS Gatsby was a British revenue ship that would patrol the coast and try to catch smugglers in the act. There's um, one incident where they stopped one ship, uh, they sent the crew off to a different colony for trial. And that got the Rhode Islanders all up in arms because they felt that was a violation of their rights. But there was another day the Gatsby was chasing a cargo ship called the Hannah that was carrying smuggled rum and sugar. But the Hannah was a local ship and it has a, had a shallow draft and it knew the internal waters better. And so it sailed over some narrow. Uh, well, some shallow waters, and the Gatsby got ran aground. While it was stuck there waiting for the tides to free it, John Brown, famous in history, uh, but John Brown uh, rallied up a bunch of people at the local tavern, and they went and burned the Royal British ship to the waterline. And we still celebrate that to this day. In some ways, you might look at that as the Rhode Island version of the... Boston Tea Party. Yeah, Boston Tea Party. See, I start talking about Rhode Island. I dropped my R's there. The Boston Tea Party. But it happened before that. Rhode Island's always ahead of the game. Like earlier this month, this is still May. On May 4th is Rhode Island Independence Day is when Rhode Island declared itself independent of the British crown, which was two months before the rest of the country caught on. But the Gatsby thing uh, started... The committees of correspondence between like Rhode Island and Virginia, which was the lead up towards it for the Continental Congresses and the whole independence movement. So it is uh, – yeah, it's a thing. I've always wanted to play or run a campaign set in a revolutionary or even better pre-revolutionary America. I would love a a leather stockings campaign set in the Catskills of New York and Pennsylvania with, you know, with the Dutch colonists, Rip Van Winkle type stuff, Headless Horseman type stuff, you know, up in the mountains, running into dwarves, drinking ale, rolling down pings. There is a role-playing game out there called American Gothic that is centered around that, but I don't think there's need for a separate rule set. I think I could just use any generic rule set and run with it. The thing is finding enough interesting players to play in that kind of campaign. Anyway, I'm running now. Uh, Thanks for that call.
2: Hey, it's Daniel from keep calling in, uh, well, in the middle of your show, which is what I usually do. You're responding to Jason about various movies and stuff. You know, I wonder uh, about the two things that the Sorcerer's Movie had. You know, I saw that movie when I was maybe 11 or 12. So, yeah, I remember liking it. (laughs) But I have seen it again as an adult, and yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh although there's that other movie that has the two twin dude barbarians that I tried to watch a couple of years ago and I had to immediately turn it off because it was just so bad so I don't know if maybe two pretty ladies keeps my attention better than two buff dudes that could be part of it right but really what I'm calling it is I want to defend the fat dragon <laughs> uh, like it was definitely a silly scene Um but I think what was interesting about that scene is one thing up until that point the sorcerer and again, I'm trying not to give too many spoilers. The sorcerer was kind of not feeling part of the group. He was somebody who's being used, who they didn't really respect, and you could barely pull anything off. But then in that scene with the dragon, through the the Chris Pines character being the leader, they realized, you know what, your abilities are useful. And they had him do something, or use his ability that basically saved them. So and they worked together as a team, including the fighter, uh character as well, the, the female fighter. So I think that that scene, maybe the dragon itself didn't have to be fat and silly, but the scene itself was useful for that reason. It also showed, hey, sometimes you got to run away. And <laughs> I think that's true in games. I think if they were to show a real powerful dragon flying through the air outside, it just would have slaughtered the party. And I don't think that would have been as exciting. So while I think it was a little silly, and I'm not super into silly things, I uh,
1: I feel like it did have its point. Hey, Daniel, thanks for that call. And on behalf of the Fat Dragon, thank you for the defense. I I will also say that that scene serves another great purpose, which is if you're a person who can't make it through a full movie without having to pee, the second you see the Fat Dragon show up, it's a great spot to go pee and then come back, and you won't miss anything other than what Daniel just said, and you already know that. Now could you just heard it? So, uh, that's another great purpose for that scene. Um, (laughs) yeah, I was going to say, I don't think James or Jason said that they hated that scene and it shouldn't be, but no, I think they did. I said you could cut it out and you wouldn't miss much. But yeah, see, I agree that there has to be a dragging. I also think you're right that if it was a a dragging, it's all its glory. They would have been toast and it would have been a very short scene. It would have been the end of the movie. So then the other option is maybe a dragon that they befriend. Um, Except I think that's kind of been done before and that might be kind of overplayed. Yeah. Maybe this was the only way to work in a dragon. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, thank you very much for your insights there, Daniel. Keep on calling. Thanks. That's all the feedback we had this week, folks. Thank you very much for that. If you want to send in your feedback, and please, please do, all the ways are in the outro coming up or they're in the show notes, but pretty much you can email us. You can email us a voice file if you want, or you can just type in you know, your message and I'll read it or I'll get a robot to read it. or Maybe I'll get my wife to read it. I don't know. Or you can call our feedback line, Or you can go to sayhi.chat slash decahedron. There's all these ways. Please call in and lend your voice to the show. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know if you agree with us, if you disagree with us, if there's something else you'd like to hear, if you love what you're hearing. Also, if you want to volunteer to ask me questions about blood poor isle, I don't have the questions because the whole idea is I want to know what people want to know that, you know, not what I think they want to know. So if you want to volunteer to ask me some questions about that setting, again, contact me through any of the feedback methods. I'll get in touch with you. We'll set up a time to record. It would probably be a Tuesday or a Thursday around 6 p.m. That's usually when my my recording schedule is free. The other time is Saturday mornings, but that's reserved for when James and I are doing the the normal recordings for the show. Uh, Contact me. We'll set something up. That would be a great help to me, actually. And it'd be nice to have another guest host on the show. Thanks for listening to this show. Wednesday's episode is going to be our long-awaited review of Through Dungeons Deep, a fantasy gamer's handbook, which is a 1982 book about, you know, how to be a dungeon master or how to be a a dungeon-delving player. And it's a pretty cool book. So, yeah, tune in for that. And we'll probably throw out a little bonus episode before or after, or maybe I'll attach it to the edit where we're going to announce the winner of the giveaway. So again, thanks for everything. You rock as an audience. Until next week, happy life, happy gaming. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Decahedron RPG cast. We'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message by calling 562 774 2, 2, 7, 8. That's 562-RPG-CAST. Or by visiting sayhi.chat slash decahedron. You can also email us at feedback at decahedron.com. Links are in the show notes. For more information, visit Decahedron.com. Remember that Decahedron is spelled with a K. Music is by Kevin McLeod. Logo is by Design Cat. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep those dice rolling.